Welcome back, dear friends, to your daily dose of ancient wisdom. Today we continue our reading of Srimad Bhagavata Mahapurana, Book 3, Discourse 8, Brahma's Manifestation. Continuing with Vidura, Maitreya said, Oh, the race of Puru has become worthy of adoration even by noblemen ever since you were born into it. You, who are no other than God Yama, one of the protectors of the world, so devoted to the Lord, and you lend fresher and newer charm at every step and every moment to the garland of Srihari's glories by your pertinent questions. Now, in order to relieve the great vow of men who fall into it with their search for trivial delights of senses, I commence the Bhagavata Purana which Lord Sangharshana or Sesha himself was pleased to teach the seers Sanaka and others. Eager to know the truth about the Lord who is even higher than Sangharshana, Sanat Kumara and other sages approached and questioned Lord Sangharshana, the first among the gods, whose wisdom knows no obstruction and who has ensconced himself in the subterranean region of Patala. Sangharshana was at that time engaged in offering mental worship to his own source and stay, whom the Vedas call by the name of Lord Vasudeva. And in order to afford delight to the sages, Sanat Kumara and others, he had now partially opened his eyes that resembled a pair of lotus buds and which he had turned inward till then. The sages reverently touched with their matted locks, drenched by the waters of heavenly river Ganga, the lotus that served as a support for his feet, and which daughters of the serpent chiefs lovingly worshipped through various offerings with a longing to obtain a suitable match. The sages who were conversant with their doings repeatedly extolled them in accents that flatter an account of affection. The thousand noble hoods of the serpent god were brightened by the superb gems set in his thousand crowns. Tradition says that the most worshipful Sangharshana taught this Bhagavata to Sanat Kumara, who is devoted to the path of renunciation. And the latter in his turn, O dear Vidura, imparted it to Sankhyayana, who had taken a vow of strict celibacy and asked him questions about the same. Sankhyayana, the foremost among those who had realized the truth in his eagerness to recount the glories of the Lord, repeated it to his devoted pupil and our preceptor Parasara and then to sage Brihaspati. Urged by Paulastya, the gracious sage Parasara reproduced the foremost Purana, Srimad Bhagavata, to me, and I now proceed to teach the same to you, dear child, so are revered and ever devoted to me. Footnote. While coming from the highest heaven, Satyaloka, to the nethermost region of Patala, it seems Sanat Kumara and others had crouched through the streams of Ganga, which flow from Satyaloka right up to Patala, washing on its way all the other celestial spheres, the atmosphere, the surface of earth, and all other terrestrial regions. 
This obviously accounts for the wetness of their matted rocks. Prior to the creation, the whole of this universe was submerged in water. At that time, the only one that existed was Lord Narayana, who lay on his couch of Sesha, the Lord of Serpents, having shut his eyes on account of sleep in the form of deep meditation, although his consciousness was wide awake even then, seizing from all activity in the form of creation, preservation and dissolution of the universe and reveling in the bliss of his own self. Having deposited the subtle bodies of all jivas or embodied souls in his own body, the Lord reposed on these waters which served as his resting place even as fire remains latent in the wood, concealing its burning capacity. Keeping only his latent potency in the shape of time active in order to rouse him when the time of creation arrived again, having thus slept on these waters for a period of 1,000 rounds of the four yugas with his own energy in the form of consciousness about him when he was shown the residue of karma of all the jivas by his potency called time which had already been directed by him for this purpose, he saw countless words merged in his own body. When his eyes thus fell on this subtle matter in the shape of subtle bodies, which lay deposited in his body and which was now roused into activity by the Rajoguna, the principle of activity impelled by time, the same issued out of his navel in order to evolve grosser forms. By force of time which roused into activity the residue of karma of the jivas, that subtle matter which came out of the navel of Lord Vishnu sprang all of a sudden in the form of a lotus bud, illuminating with its splendor that vast expanse of water even as the sun. The all-prevailing Lord Vishnu himself, O Vidura, entered as the inner controller that lotus representing all the fourteen worlds which brought to light later on all the objects of sensuous enjoyment when the Lord entered the lotus. There appeared from it the creator Brahma, who is no other than Veda personified and whom they called self-born because his prognator was not to be seen. Perched on the pernicap of the lotus, Brahma failed to perceive any world. Turning his neck all around, therefore, he looked about in the sky with distended eyes and was immediately endowed with four faces, one on each side. Lo, resting on that lotus, which had emerged from the water, uprecious with waves, tossed by the furious winds, which characterized the period of universal destruction, Brahma, the first god, could not make out the reality of that lotus which formed the basis of coming worlds, nor for himself. He said to himself, Who am I, seated on this pernicap of lotus, and whence can this lotus be, standing on these waters all alone without any support? It can therefore be easily understood by any sane person that there must be something underneath it on which this stands supported. Reasoning thus, he dived into the water through the pores in the stalk of that lotus. But much as he strove to find out the base of that lotus stalk, 
Brahma the unborn failed to get at it then, even though he approached it. While he thus looked about for his own source in the impenetrable darkness, O Vidura, there elapsed a very long time, time which is nothing but Lord's discus Sudarshana that inspires terror in the hearts of living creatures and cut short the allotted span of their life every moment. At last he gave up the search without achieving the object of his desire and returning to his resting place, the deity gradually controlled his breath, withdrew his mind from everything else and sat down in samadhi or deep meditation of the Lord. When he had unremittedly practiced yoga for a hundred years, the full lifespan of healthy man, the light of wisdom dawned on him and he saw revealed in his heart of his own accord that which he had failed to perceive before. On the waters that had submerged the whole universe during the period of universal destruction, Brahma beheld the one supreme person, Lord Narayana, lying on a huge body of sesha, which was white as a lotus fiber and served as a bed for him. The extensive hoods of the serpent god, numbering 10,000, served as so many umbrellas for the Lord, and the gems set on his married crowns, dispelled by their brilliance the darkness all around. By the effulgence of his swarthy person, he obscured the splendor of a mountain of emerald. By his yellow lion cloth, he outshone the bright evening clouds hanging round the sides of such a mountain. By the brilliant crown adorning his head, he stole the charm of its many peaks of gold. By his wreath of silver flowers, he eclipsed the beauty of the gems, rills, shining herbs, and flowers adorning the breast of such a mountain. By his shapely arms, he excelled the bamboos looking like arms of that mountain, and by his beautiful legs, he threw into the background the trees consisting of its legs. His person, which contained all the three worlds, was its own compere, both in length and breadth, even though it added grace to the wonderful divine ornaments and robes themselves. Yet he had chosen to adorn it with the same. He graciously showed by placing them in prominent position his wish-yielding lotus feet to the devotees that worshipped him through the faultless processes of gratification of their own desire. Lotus feet, whose petals in shape of toes could be distinctly seen, though closely united with one another, through the rays of their moon-like nails. Nay, he greeted his worshippers by his countenance which was endowed with beautiful nose and graceful eyebrows and lit up with a smile that was enough to relieve the agony of the whole world and which was graced with the brilliant earrings and reflected the ruddy luster of his lips that resembled a ripe bimba fruit. His buttocks were adorned with a lion cloth yellow as filaments of kadamba flower as well as with a girdle while his bosom's dear son was marked with a golden streak 
and graced with his favorite necklace, which was invaluable. In the shape of the fourteen worlds, he is like a sandal tree, the king of trees, with his pair of stout arms adorned with most precious armlets and the best of gems for its numberless boughs, with his roots unknown because it has no root other than itself, and with the hoods of Sesha, the lord of serpents, coiled about its trunk. Lying in the midst of the ocean, the lord further looked like a mountain surrounded by water, even as a mountain efforts shelter to both animate and inanimate beings, the Lord is the resting place of the whole animate and inanimate creation. Even as a mountain is friendly or hospitable to large serpents, the Lord is a friend of Sesha, the Lord of Serpents. The thousands of the datums that adorned the hoods of Sesha appeared like so many peaks of gold, while the diamond called Kaustubha that shone on the bosom of the Lord looked like a gem emerging from the heart of the mountain. Brahma now had a clear view of Srihari, who wore round his neck a wreath of silver flowers that represented his glory and was graced by the Vedas that had taken the form of bees to him, his praises. He was inaccessible even to the sun, the moon, the air and fire and could hardly be approached by his enemies, being closely guarded by his weapons like Sudarshana and others, who were truth, consciousness, and bliss personified, namely had divine forms of their own, and ever paraded around him. That very moment, Brahma, the would-be creator of the world, who was intent on evolving the universe, beheld in his heart, along with the Lord, the lotus which had shot forth from his navel, the water that surrounded him, the blast that was blowing the sky that hung over his head like a canopy as well as himself seated on the lotus and nothing other than these. Dominated as he was by the quality of Rajas, the principle of activity, he desired to undertake the work of evolving the creation. But when he saw only the aforesaid materials for the same, he fixed his mind on Lord whose ways are unknown to anyone, and thus began to extol him, who is the only one deserving of a praise, intent as he was on creation. Thus ends the eighth discourse in the book three of the great and glorious Bhagavata Purana, otherwise known as Paramahamsa Samhita. Thank you.